0: Recently on our series in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we talked about common sense leadership lessons, practical lessons that Paul teaches us, beginning with verse 16 and following. I want to follow up with that. There are several applications that I didn't have a chance to make that I'd like to be able to make today and next time as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for how your word is so practical. I pray that the timing for this devotional will be perfect for some. Um, that will help and encourage, and it will also maybe provide an opportunity for us to have conversations with somebody else about your word and your goodness and your wisdom. Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, the Apostle Paul, we've said, is on his second missionary tour going to these churches in um, in Turkey and Greece, modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, and um, one of his purposes is to collect an offering from these churches because the Christians, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem are uh, in bad shape financially for a couple of reasons, because there's a famine, but also because some have lost jobs and income as a result of following Jesus. They've been thrown out of the temple, out of the synagogue. They've lost relationships. And so it's been re- very difficult. So the second reason, so so Paul is collecting this money uh, as an offering to take back. And in this, uh, in chapter eight, verse 16, he talks about how he is going to be responsible with this uh, uh, with this money, with this offering. He says, Thanks be to God, who put the same concern for you in the heart of Titus, for he welcomed our appeal and, being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And One of the first points that we made about common sense leadership is that good leaders, godly leaders, are Always developing other people. You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Discipling people is leading people to follow Jesus. Disciples are learners. And so if you go and make disciples, people are then walking with you in a way that helps them walk more closely with Christ. And part of the way that we do that is functioning as a of the body of Christ, serving. And so Paul develops Titus. He, he sends out Titus and he sends out this brother who all, has a good reputation with churches for his gospel ministry. But he's sending them not to dump work on them alone, not just to use them to get a job done, but because in the process, Titus is discipled. You know, later on, Paul will send Titus to Crete to start a church. the The, the church in Crete will not be established, will not be organized, and Paul, in, in a few years, will have the the confidence in Titus to be able to say, "Go to that island of Crete, and you go establish that church. You go appoint elders. You go put things in order." Well, why could he do that? Because Paul trained Titus, gave him significant responsibilities in times like this. Now we need to, and so the question really that we all need to be asking is, so who are you discipling? Who are you sharing responsibilities with so that they can develop their gifts and be more useful for the kingdom? We need this really for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is, If you don't, the work isn't going to get done and you're going to get overwhelmed. Boyle's Law says, if gone unchecked, work will flow to the competent person until he submerges. J. Oswald Sanders, in his book Spiritual Leadership, says, Self-imposed tasks that others do well ought to be relinquished. Even if they do it worse, they ought to be relinquished. That's the test of a perfectionist. It's hard, but it's necessary. See, it's hard to share responsibilities because if you're proud, you may be afraid that they're going to do better than you and you're not going to look so good and they're going to get more credit. Or if you're insecure, it's hard because you're going to be afraid. What if they don't do the job well? What if they disappoint people? What if you know, I could have done it faster and better, and people would appreciate me more, or whatever. You know, I think J. Oswald Sanders is really wise here. Even if others don't do it as well, often we need to share responsibilities so that people can develop and uh, and grow. I'll never forget when New Life was young, we had I was leading the Bible studies and we needed to have more Bible studies. I was also leading the worship team and we would practice every week. Um, and, and so I was gone, you know, consistently three nights, sometimes four nights a week. And so I, I came to the point I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to share the responsibility. And so what I do basically, I said, Hey, Pat Ferguson, you're it. I'm going to start another group. You're going to take over this group and, and lead. Now, um, Was Pat as trained as I was? Was Pat as ready to lead the Bible study as I was? No, but to be honest with you, I was 27 years old, 28 years old maybe at the time, and I wasn't as ready as somebody who was 38 or 48. But I had to make a decision when the church was young, am I going to control things and keep things small and limit the number of people who can be reached and ministered to, or am I going to release and trust to God so that more people can be served. That's kind of the same situation that Moses faced in Exodus chapter 18. In Exodus chapter 18, the people of Israel are in trouble, not because of a foreign army and not because of some disease, but because of lack of organization. Moses has led the people out of Egypt. They're now in the wilderness. He's leading about a million people strong. But people are frustrated and Moses is getting worn out. From dawn till dusk, people are coming with their problems to Moses to make judgments. And and the the, the waiting room line is getting longer and longer. And Moses is working all day long and he's getting more and more tired. In Exodus chapter 18, Moses' father-in-law recognizes the problem and he asks Moses two questions. Exodus 18.14, 18, when Moses' father-in-law saw everything that he was doing he asked, uh, for them, for the people, he asked, what is this you're doing for the people, and why are you doing it alone, sitting as judge, while all the people stand around uh, you from morning until evening? Great questions. What are you doing? What's your priority, and why are you doing it alone? Moses answered in verse 15, because he says to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. I think you, I hear there a sense of responsibility of Moses, but also maybe some sense of pride. You know, God gave me this responsibility and I'm the one that needs to do it. Nobody else can do it as well as I can. And yet there's a sense of pride. Well, it was, I'm the one that they're all coming. They all want to see me and talk to me. Verse 16, whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me and I make a decision between one man and another. Jethro fires back verse 17, what you are doing is not good. Moses' father-in-law told him, you will certainly wear out both you and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You Can't do it alone. I wonder if I'm talking to any servants in the church who feel worn out. You know, maybe you're thinking, oh, why is it that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? Well, that's hard. Is there a way, is this God's nudge for you to say, hey, the task is too heavy for you? Go personally recruit people. Go choose people that you are going to train, who are going to work alongside you. Listen to what Jethro has to say. Now listen to me. I will give you advice and God be with you. He says, verse 21, you should select from all the people, able men, God fearing, trustworthy, hating, dishonest profit. So get people who are roughly right. Just don't go out and find old, you know, anybody off the street. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And then find the right people, organize them in the right way. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring to you every major case, but judge every minor case themselves. In this way, you will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. If you do this, and God so directs you, you will not only be able to endure, but also all of these people will be able to go home satisfied. Jethro says, "Develop people, you know, appoint people, uh, organize your leaders, redirect people." make some division of difficulty. If, the, if some decisions come before them, they're like, wow, this needs to go to Moses, send it to the higher courts. They organized. And I love what this, he said. Um, it will it'll, it'll go well for you. You'll be able to endure, and the people will go home satisfied. There's a sense in which the larger an organization gets, the easier it ought to get for the leader. If the leader's doing well, then, yeah, the responsibilities increase, but we disciple more. It's more opportunity to share the responsibilities with God. See, delegation is not dumping work. Sharing responsibilities is not about using people. The reality is God has gifted and called people to serve him in significant ways. To find me. Can you imagine how honored these judges were when they were selected by Moses and entrusted by Moses and what a sense of purpose that they had. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, they got tired. But God was using them as his as his wisdom, as his hands, and they were to go able to go home at night with a sense of fulfilling God's purpose for them in their lives. Sharing responsibility gives everybody a chance to develop and to be used by God and to be a blessing to others. So what are you doing and why are you doing it alone? The challenge for all of us in the church is to first of all, accept the church. You are the church. Each one of us is a member of the body of Christ. And then to accept the call of Jesus when he says, go and make disciples. Now, we don't have to obey God. We just make life more difficult and, and, and the church less effective to his glory. And so uh, the church is less effective and he's not being glorified. But if we allow it to be more effective, he will be glorified more. So what are you doing? Why are you doing it alone? Would you pray today? Lord, if, you, if you're not serving someplace, go find somebody who's leaving, leading and ask them if you can serve alongside them. But if you are leading, who's God putting in your mind? Pray, God, put some people in my mind. Maybe just one person that I can reach out to to say, hey, would you come alongside with me in ministry so we can share the burdens together and increase the ministry effectiveness too. Exodus 18.24 says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Now, I'm sure that there were some people who probably complained, Moses is distant, Moses is unapproachable, Moses is aloof. But Jethro was right. And the work got easier for Moses, and the people left satisfied. And even though Moses is 80 years old, as he's leading these people, he's able to minister now to 120 years of age. He shared the ministry The glory of God. What about you? Heavenly Father, um, we ask that you would help us to be wise to ask ourselves the Jethro question What are you doing? What's your priority? And why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing it alone? Help us. Lord, would you raise up in our minds, each of us in our minds, somebody that we could call to work alongside with us? My guess is that that person that you put in our minds needs a friend needs to serve you with the gifts that you've given them needs to have a sense of purpose needs to develop a relationship with others who are serving alongside a relationship that you are not just going to bless to bless others but you're going to bless to bless those who serve in ways that we cannot even uh, appreciate this side of of the future so lord make us your church Make us wise like Moses. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Till next time.